us with them before. Okay, so the question that I asked you on WhatsApp was this. It was, is God good? Now, all of you are <clears throat> well-versed enough in Scripture to be able to say, yeah, you, you believe that God is good. But here's the thing. The thing about it is that, you know, the, the, the idea of suffering and difficulty can <clears throat> become very real for us in a moment. It goes from being, you know, something theological to something being very personal when it hits our lives. And if you live long enough, you're going to face suffering. You're going to face uh, evil in your life. Those things are just real. And it's, it's important that we actually have an answer for it, that we know how to give an answer uh, as far as suffering and the difficulties that face us uh, in this world are concerned. By the way, can you all hear me? Anybody having difficulty hearing me? Just lift your, get, wave your hand. You're having a difficulty hearing me, Peter? It's okay. Everybody okay with the with the devil? Okay. Um, and when it goes from being, you know, theological out there to personal in here, what happens is a crisis can occur for us, in the sense that we have to actually get our heads around. Hang on a minute. I thought God was good. Why did He do this to me? And our faith gets tested at that point. True faith gets tested, but it's important that we actually know ahead of time what to expect. Um, you see, Christians are not made immune from the difficulties in the world. Christians are not made immune from suffering, and Christians are not made immune from evil. We face them just the same as other people do. In fact, some in some ways, I think we face maybe a little bit more. Uh, that other people do. And if our, if our confidence, if our faith, our dependence in God is based upon the fact that, well, uh, he won't let anything bad happen to me, then I'm in trouble. I'm in a difficult place because now I, 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 I don't know what to do with, with, with a God who has allowed suffering and pain into my life. And so we need to talk about this issue. We need to talk about this problem. In fact, I think we need to prepare ourselves for it before it ever comes our way. Uh, and that, that's, what, that's my heart in this. My heart is to, is to prepare us as believers so that we're not floored when suffering comes our way. So why do we want to talk about the problem? First of all, more people point to the problem of evil and suffering as their reason for not believing in God than any other. Right? Um, it's not a mere problem. It is the problem. What we're saying there is that unsaved people look at a God who they suppose and expect to be good, right? Because that goes with the territory of being God. And then when they look at the suffering and the evil in the world around them, they say, now, hang on a minute. If God is good, then why all the suffering in this world? And, and you've heard it many times from different people. And usually it's as a, as a reason why they don't believe in God. Because if God is good, then there shouldn't be suffering. Therefore, there is no God. Is where the thinking goes. That's totally wrong. Uh, and we understand that. But nonetheless, it is the number one reason. In fact, let me read you um, about a poll that was taken. A Barna poll asked, if you could ask God only one question and you knew he would give you an answer, what would you ask? And the most common response was, why is there pain and suffering in the world? It's the number one reason why people, the number one difficulty people have with God. In fact, this week, past week, I had um, uh, <clears throat> somebody close to me and was speaking to them as far as the gospel is concerned. And that's exactly the issue that came up. Something had happened in their past that they, they couldn't really deal with. They landed it on God's doorstep, and in her own words, she fell out with God. And she fell out with God because he, he brought suffering into her life that she didn't agree with. Now, here's the truth. The truth is that there is a randomness about this issue in our lives. There's a, it, it, it happens to... What we consider to be the wrong people, right? Uh, good people suffer and bad people get off scot-free. And we say to ourselves, well, hang on a minute. What, what's the deal there? What's going on here? Right? And it's, it's a huge issue for 
uh, unbelievers. In fact, somebody said that the problem of evil is atheists, the atheist cornerstone, right? Um, <clears throat> German playwright George Buchner uh, called the problem of evil the rock of atheism. Atheists point to the problem of evil as proof that the God of the Bible doesn't exist. Every day, the ancient argument gets raised in college philosophy classes, coffee shops, dinner uh, discussions, email exchanges, blogs, talk shows, and best-selling books. Atheists write page after page about evil and suffering. The problem of evil never strays far from their view. It intrudes upon chapters with vastly diff different subjects. It's one of the central reasons, Sam Harris writes, atheism is not a philosophy. It is not even a view of the world. It is simply an admission of the obvious. Now, he's an atheist. Uh, Harris then scolds Christians, saying about intelligent people such as himself, we stand dumbstruck by you, by your denial of tangible reality, by the suffering you create in service to your religious myths, and by your attachment to an imaginary God. Um, so what's he saying there? He's saying, you know, this God that you speak about doesn't exist. And the reason he doesn't exist is because there is suffering. And uh, you are foolish to have in your mind the idea of a God that is good, when clearly there is suffering that he could stop and doesn't stop. Now, that's atheism, okay? And atheism uh, is not always honest, right? Atheism is oftentimes looking for a reason not to believe, but it's out there. It's real, uh, it's happening. And here's the thing, very often we are interacting with people and right and fine if you have a solid position in your heart and an understanding of scripture as far as this issue is concerned. But if you don't, what happens is you're very much liable to be swayed by some of this thinking. And sometimes we glibly throw Bible verses at deep theological problems for people. You know, we'll look in a minute at the, uh, all things work together for good to those that love God and those who are called according to his purpose. And while that makes perfect biblical sense and while it's very true, it's not sufficient when you throw it at somebody like that. But there's another problem here that we need to recognize too. Our children are in a school system uh, that is oftentimes atheist. That there is, and this issue will come up in classrooms. And if parents don't prepare their children for what's going to be uh, thrown at them or put them in the place where they have an understanding and a grip on this situation, then what happens is kids get washed away. And remember, this is not an issue. This is the issue as far as atheism is concerned. So it's going to come up. Your children go to college in Ireland, they're going to come up against this issue. I mean, if they go to a secular college anywhere, they're going to come up against this issue. And it's important that we as parents shoulder the responsibility of preparing them for it. It's important that we as a church, that I as a pastor, shoulder the responsibility of actually preparing God's people what inevitably, inevitably they face in a, in, in a secular world. And while I want us to have an answer for the atheist that's solid and that we can stand on, and by the way, you can. You don't have to be afraid of atheism. You don't have to be afraid of any thought that's out there. Uh, you can biblically answer uh, the questions that are thrown at you, but you don't need to be sure of yourself when it comes down to it. But you can actually give answers uh, for the things that people do. You don't have to be a scientist. You don't have to be a brain. You do have to know God and you have to know his word. You have to understand uh, <clears throat> what it is that, he, that, 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 that he's saying about himself, right? So yeah, you, 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 if you're going to give an answer uh, in the moment when people throw stuff at you, you have to actually know your God and know his word. And that's my burden in this, that we should know our God well enough not to be thrown by suffering, not to be thrown uh, by the difficulties that are bound to come our way, but to understand that you know, our God is bigger than all that and our God can actually take care of us and all that, and that he still stands even though it looks pretty bad and the, uh, and the world likes to throw stones at him, right? <clears throat> so, uh, number three, a faith that leaves us unprepared for suffering is a false faith that deserves to be lost. You ever known somebody that uh, seemed to have a very strong faith and then some difficulty came into their lives, some problem, something that they weren't ready for, and their faith got washed away. 
And people actually turn away from God in those moments. That's a false faith, right? Um, Randy Alcorn says this, believing God exists is not the same as trusting the God who exists. A nominal Christian often discovers in suffering that his faith has been in his church, his denomination or family tradition, but not Christ. As he faces evil and suffering, he may lose his faith, but that's actually a good thing. I have sympathy for people who lose their faith, but any faith lost in suffering wasn't a faith worth keeping. Uh, genuine faith will be tested. False faith will be lost. Now think about it. If our children grow up with the idea that God's going to be good to us because we're the good guys, and I think a lot of them have that in their minds, and then they face suffering in their lives that really is not what they expected, and really they see, they, they see as being unfair. And the truth is that Suffering is often unfair, at least in, in, in who it chooses. And um, what happens is then that they begin to doubt the God they believed in, but it wasn't really the God. It was a picture of God that was given to them, often by believers that should have known better. Right? The fact that we're the children of God in no way means that we're not going to face difficulties in this life. And our children need to know that. Uh, one, of the, one of the major problems with the prosperity gospel is just that, that it teaches people that, you know, God exists to bless you and take care of you, and suffering is an aberration. There's something wrong, and that's just not true. That's, how do we know that's not true? Because it's objectively not true. Because good people suffer at least people that we consider to be good. And we have very clear examples of that in Scripture. We have Job. Job, who God identifies as a good man, and then he allows him to go through all that suffering, all that difficulty. So, you know, we need to understand from the get-go that our Christianity does not immunize us from suffering. And we need to teach our kids that. We need to make sure they know that. We don't understand that ourselves. And we need to teach it because what happens is if you're trusting in a false understanding of God, you're essentially trusting in a false God. And that's going to fail you. Bad theology always catches up with you and always uh, causes you pain in the end. So we need to be careful uh, what we're putting our trust in. Right? Number four, suffering will come. We owe it to God ourselves and those around us to prepare for it. Our failure to teach a biblical theology of suffering leaves Christians unprepared for harsh realities. It also leaves our children vulnerable to history, philosophy, and global studies classes that raise the problems of evil and suffering while denying the Christian worldview. Since the question will be raised, shouldn't Christian parents and churches raise it first and take people to Scripture uh, to see what God says about it? Right? Big part of the burden here, right? <clears throat> that you actually, uh, that you know this is coming. You, you, your kids are going to face you. Go, go to history class and, and you, you look at genocide in history class. How did that happen? Well, just because bad men do bad things. Uh, no, that's not a sufficient answer for them. Uh, if there's a good God in charge of all these bad men, then they, they couldn't do it. And um, <clears throat> this, this problem needs to be addressed. There's, there's basically two ways of looking at the three ways really of looking at uh, the issue. First of all, either you've got a good God, right, <clears throat> who's good but not powerful enough to stop it. Okay? So he's good but he can't stop it. Well, then he's not God. Right? Or you've got a God who is powerful enough but not good enough to stop it. That's the way the world sees it. Either God is, God is good and doesn't have the power, or God is not good even though he does have the power. And so we need to understand it from a different perspective entirely. We need to understand there's a good God who is all wise and has reasons for what he allows into our lives. Reasons oftentimes that you and I, and certainly our children, can't fathom. That we can't actually get our heads around the reasons why uh, this God uh, that says he loves us and he is good, would actually allow these things into our lives. And 
that's a big ask. It's definitely a big ask for little minds that are trying to uh, make sense out of the world. But we've got to come to the place where we actually can, can grapple with that and understand that. And <clears throat> let me say this. The end product of this is not grim at all. The end product of this is a peace and a resting in God. Whatever comes into your life. It's, it's a faith that stands the test of time. Um, <clears throat> it's a faith that can look into the face of difficulty and say, it's okay. I know where I stand. I know this. It's a face that, that can face that awful problem. And instead of running from God, lean on God. And isn't that what we need? Don't we need that? Isn't that what God promises us? While he doesn't prom promise to immunize us from suffering, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That he would be with us. But the problem is that we have a wrong understanding of suffering. We tend to run from God and not to him like we need to. So we need to lay hold upon this truth and just uh, make it deep in our lives, right? <clears throat> and the other point I want to make is this, and then I'm going to give you some presuppositions that I have. We'll be done this introduction uh, to it, right? Uh, the problem of suffering is answered very clearly in the strangest of places in the Bible. Because as you read through your Bible, God owns it. God is never afraid to take on board you know, <clears throat> what he's done. Um, <clears throat> When it comes to uh, to Moses, and Moses is, is supposed to go in before Pharaoh and speak, and 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 God, 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 Moses says, "Well, I can't do that because I'm not a good speaker." And God says to him, well, "Who made the deaf deaf, and who made the dumb dumb? I made your tongue. I can use you to speak, Moses." In, in John chapter nine, when the blind man uh, is is um, has been healed, and the disciples want to know. Who, who made, why was this man made blind? Was it because of his sin or uh, because of his parents' sin? Jesus says, neither. It was done so that the power of God could be shown. You know, God owns the suffering in the world. Now, back to our question again, is God good? Is God good? Can you trust him? Because he very clearly uh, owns the suffering in the world. He, very clearly, by extension, owns the suffering in your life. There's no way for us as believers uh, to, to push it away from God and say, no, it doesn't belong to him. No, we've got to be in the place where we actually can recognize, no, God owns this. And if God owns this, he has a reason and a purpose for it. And I might not understand it. I'm, uh, my finite mind may not be able to grasp the infinite thinking of God, but I have to accept it as from the hand of God. All right? Now, let me give you the presuppositions that we, that, that we come to this with. Okay? And all of the presuppositions can be backed up, but we're not necessarily going to back them up uh, in this time. Presuppositions are basic things that you hold to be true before you start. First of all, let me say this. I believe that God is good. The Bible says that God is good. Right? The Bible says that God is good. He is good all the time. No matter what's happening in your life, God is good. It's important that you actually come to that persuasion in your mind that, that God is good. Scripture gives you plenty of reason to believe. The Bible says all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Well, it's not fair to throw that at somebody who's in the midst of their suffering and, and, and expect that to straighten them out and put them in uh, everything in perspective for them. It is reasonable for you and I to take that truth and to grasp it and to squeeze it because it's true. All things work together for God. In fact, let me read it to you from Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read you more uh, than that verse, obviously, right? Um <clears throat> Romans 8, verse 26 says this, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray as we ought, 
but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he that he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did, did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Uh, like, so the Spirit is working in a, in a broken world. And we'll look at that. We'll, we'll have to kind of get our heads around that. Like, this world is broken because of sin. Genesis chapter 3. We'll have to get our minds around the fact that the world is broken. And then we'll have to come to an understanding that in the brokenness of the world, the Spirit of God is working. And he's taking all things. And he's using all of them, working them all together for good. Are you going to say, what good? You won't often be able to see that. Not on this side of the veil. You won't always at least be able to see what good he's working out in the situation. But the eye of faith has to say he works all things together for good. You have to come to the place where you, where you, you let God be God in this situation. And you realize, I'm not going to understand all he's doing. I'm not going to be able to get all of it together. But I'm going to allow God to be God in my life. I'm going to let, recognize the fact that all things work together for good, right? And then it goes on to say that he's got a plan for your life. And this is probably the key to his understanding suffering and evil in the world. God's plan, you know, God could have written in verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be happy. I wish he had, would you? But he didn't write that. Uh, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be, to be wealthy and healthy. No, he didn't do that either. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. What was he doing? What is he doing in your life? He's looking to make you like Jesus. What was Jesus like? Well, Jesus was obedient to the Father, even to the death. That's not my idea of success. That's your idea of success? In fact, the reality is that the cross does not look like success in so many ways, does it? In, in, in fact, it, it looks like anything but success. And yet, when it comes to God getting glory, there is no event in history that comes near to it. So we have to understand that God is working all things together for our good, but his good is conforming you to the image of his son, making you like Jesus. So what God is doing is God is looking to work in your life and in my life to make us like Jesus. And that will often not be what we would like it to be. It will often not be what we see as being the best thing. But we need to recognize there is a good end to this, all right? So that's number one presupposition. God is good all the time. Secondly, the Bible is the word of God. It's inerrant and it's infallible. That means that when God speaks in the word, it's always true. And the thing about you and I being in the word is, our problem is that we have a very different mindset than Right? His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are different than our ways. That, that God has a very different way of thinking than we do. And how do we get his thinking in the Bible? It's the infallible and errant word. We have a more sure word of prophecy, whereby we do well that we take heed until the day uh, dawn and the day star arise in our hearts. But we have a, the word of God is the, is the word that is sure to us. Right? So we need to accept that, that the word of God is an inerrant word. It's perfect. It's going to teach us the right way. It's going to bring us, so that you and I live in a world that's, you know, a secular world. It, it has its way of running, its way of thinking. We've looked a little bit at atheism and a secular way of seeing the world. 
and that's that's real. It's it's there. But our way of thinking has to be a different way of thinking. It has to be a biblical way of thinking, so that we have to grapple with the scripture and let the scripture become real in our minds and hearts. Right. Number two, God is all wise. Proverbs twenty one thirty and many other verses. Proverbs twenty one thirty says, "No wisdom, nor understanding, nor uh, counsel uh, against." The Lord. There is no wisdom, no understanding, nor counsel against them. Nobody can go up against God and say, you know what? You didn't think it through there. Have you ever had somebody tell you that you were wrong and you hated it, but you were? Nobody's ever done that with God. Nobody's ever brought something to God and said you were wrong there and made him backtrack on it because he's never wrong. Because there's no wisdom and no counsel that stands against the world, uh, against the Lord. God, God is love. John 4, 16 tells us straight out, God is love. I, um, God is all powerful. With God, all things are possible. All things are possible with God. Now, what does that mean in this context? That means this. God is capable of stopping any of my suffering that he wants to stop. Now, I've seen people want to let God off the hook. I've seen people say, well, that was nothing to do with God. That was all the devil. And that's given the devil too much credit. Because certainly the devil is evil and he's cruel. And he likes to uh, do as much damage as he possibly can. But he's not equal to God. Right? <clears throat> um, God is all powerful. He can do whatever he likes. And then God is sovereign. Nothing happens apart from God. Nothing happens that God doesn't want to allow to happen. Absolutely nothing. And um, he is sovereign over uh, all of it. And we're going to have to do this. We're going to have to tie up the free will of man with the sovereignty of God. Because, you see, suffering that comes to us naturally. In other words, you get sick, but nobody's responsible for that. It's one thing. Suffering that comes into our lives because some other person acted in an evil way is a different thing entirely. And that, that can cause much greater pain in a sense. And we can, we, can want to, we can want to let God off the hook for that, but you can't. He's God. He's in charge. But there is the free will of man. While he's never the author of evil, um, he is never out of control. <clears throat> you know, he says, not a sparrow falls from the air, but by God. In other words, nothing happens in his world apart from him. Now, we'll work at it. We'll, we'll, we'll try and deal with it. But if you can grasp that, what it's saying to you is that everything that happens in my life, even the, the things that come to me naturally and the things that come to me <laughs> because other people act evilly in my life. All of them come through the sieve, if you like, of a loving father who wants to make me more like Jesus. Everything is coming. Nothing is beyond. So that what that helps me do is that helps me lean into him in the pain and not lean away from him. And then finally, I believe this. I believe that heaven is the end of our suffering and the fulfillment of our joy. And I think that for human beings, there's a, there's a longing to be happy in the here and now. We want things to work out for us. We want to be happy. We want to be in that place where everything is good for us in the here and now. And that's never going to be. Why? Because we live in a broken world. Because we live in a world that's, that, that, that's got suffering at its core. And that's, that's, that's under a curse and that's straining uh, under that curse and that's in difficulty and always will be. But in every one of us, there's a longing to be free of the constraints of this world, of the pain and the suffering. There's a longing for something better. And the reason is because God made you for something better. God made you for heaven. In, in a sense, uh, the suffering is an aberration. You know, Adam and Eve were put in the garden. They, it was perfect. Everything was going to be perfect. But 
we know what happened. What happened is that um, they sinned, and because they sinned, sin came into the world, and it's passed on all men because all have sinned. Um, but that wasn't the original plan. The original plan for human beings made in the image of God was that we would live with him in perfect joy forever. Now, sin has postponed that plan. But for the believer in Christ, what God is saying is, I'm going to fulfill that plan for you. I'm going to take you to be with me. And you're going to live in a new earth with me, and you're going to enjoy all that you were made for. And in a sense, I think the day you, the day you wake up in heaven is the first day of your life you're going to say, you know what? I feel right. All is right with the world. You're going, to, you're going to feel right for the first time. So I think sometimes we're too hard on ourselves. Sometimes we, we expect ourselves to be happy with what we've got here. When the reality is that that's not possible. We can be, have joy in the Lord. We can be happy in the Lord. But the reality is we're always going to have difficulties. So let me give you those piece of positions again. Hold them together for you. Right? First of all, the Bible is the inerrant, infallible word of God. It is your guide through this world. It's going to tell you how to think as you go through this world. Uh, God is all wise. He knows what's best for you. Do you believe that? That God knows what's best for you. Well, of course we do. Right? Uh, it's when we start trying to, try to, try to press the point home uh, of uh, what God is doing in your life right now is best for you. You want to say, oh, no, hang on a minute. No, God knows what's best for you, right? Uh, God is love. God loves you like nobody else could ever love you. He loves you in a way that nobody else could ever love you. Now, if he knows what's best for you, and he loves you, and he's proven his love to you by dying on the cross, wouldn't he do what's best for you? Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? That he would do what's best for you. <clears throat> God is all-powerful. With God, all things are possible. Could he do something different in your life than he is doing? Yes, he could. Of course he could, right? Now, <clears throat> if God knows what's best for me, and God loves me, and God has the power to do whatever he wants in my life, then surely what he's doing in my life today is just right. And I need to swallow it. I need to come to the place where I accept it from his hand. Not, not that, you know, <clears throat> uh, this is some pain that's been forced on me. We like to blame Eve for the sin in the garden, don't we? God blames Adam. We like to blame Eve um, because she's the one, that, the one that took the apple. But the reality is that, no, behind all of that, there was a God who gave her a choice, who allowed those things to happen. And he wants to deal with you and the way he's dealing with you and the lacks in your life and the difficulties in your life are all from his hand. Now, you say, oh, pastor, that's so grim. It really isn't grim at all. It's grim to fight against. It's grim to fight against the God who loves you and knows what's best and is doing what's best in your life because your puny little mind thinks that you know better than he does. Now, granted, it's not easy to come to that place. And that's really what we're going to look at. That's where we're going with this. Thing. We're looking at coming to the place where we can actually make peace with what God is doing in our lives. He hasn't got it wrong. That he's gotten it right. Because he has. He has gotten it right in our lives. And um, <clears throat> then God is sovereign. Nothing happens apart from his will. Now, you know, you read some stories in people's lives, and it's very hard to get your head around that because people have been done terribly well. But nothing happens apart from God. It's something we've got to accept because he tells us that. Right? And then we have to believe. And I think Christians, we fail ourselves on this point. We have to believe that all our happiness and dreams and 
the satisfaction and the joy and everything that we're made for and that we long for and that lack is lacking in our lives. All of that is fulfilled in him, with him. All right, so let me unmute you all and ask questions. I do not know that I have the answers to them, but um, certainly feel free to ask them. Okay, you can unmute yourselves at this point, ask questions or, or make points. But this, to me, this is crucial stuff. This is, you know, basic level Christianity that's going to help you so much uh, in your Christian life. Let me turn back off uh, the gallery view here so I can see all of you. <clears throat> I said, any questions or comments that you want to throw in there? Yeah, Pastor. Yes, Jay. Um, I just want to, before I got saved, right, my, my ma passed away, right, and when she was in hospital dying, I went up and I whispered in her ear, I said, I'll stop doing drugs. I was using my ma's passing as to give me the strength to get off addiction, but obviously it didn't work. Okay. okay. So you go to the pub, you drink, you drown your sorrows, all that kind of stuff. But when I came to know God and I went through the centre, but I was still living there, I was two years with God and my dad got cancer in Tala Hospital and I actually went down and I led him to the Lord and the flip of being unsaved and saved is just mind-blowing because even then I learned enough to say to my sister that I wasn't going to the pub for the funeral and she goes I respect your decision but even at that God gave me a verse Joshua 1.9 to be strong and of good courage be not afraid or dismayed for the Lord I God is with you wherever you go. I remember saying to Aiden, I went, brought Aiden for accountability, went to the funeral, went to the pub, we had our cup of tea and a sandwich, and I went back to the centre. Okay. And that first Romans 8.28, all things are working like uh, good for me, because that's six years from my dad's passing, which is eight years altogether about the Lord. I'm now married, and I'm when you're with the Lord, I've come to a place in my life where I am going to lose people and family, unfortunately, and it's just part of life. And I think early on, I'd tell the men in the home that they're going to face challenges or even a bad phone call. And it's what you do when that faces you. You can turn to mayhem or you can turn to God and find peace no matter what you're going through. So mm -hmm. that's just the early side and the same side and how I've come to a place in my life where I am going to expect things to happen, unfortunately, but I can deal with them in a way that I can go to God and deal with it. You know? Amen. So, uh, and I mean, that is the reality of it. The reality of, of it is that we, 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 it's not that we don't have the suffering. It yeah. is that we do have God. Yeah, ex exactly, exactly. That's what makes the difference. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, God. To be saved and all that, you've a totally different mindset and a way of handling things where before you just go off the rails, you know, that kind of way. So yeah. that's, that's, I'm glad you said that, Bill, because we are going to lose people, unfortunately. So yeah. it's how you deal with that, you know. Yeah. And, and if you're not ready for that, what happens is you, you do go to the mayhem, as you say, um, yeah. because you're looking for something to ease the pain. Yeah, and then you end up blaming everybody and getting bitter and going down just, going down the wrong road. But where, when you're saved, you can see and think, things clearly and differently you know in a way where you're not going to go back to the old life I'm talking about the lives we came from as yeah. a well, I'm sure but it, it, listen there's an old life for everybody a life without God that doesn't work doesn't matter obviously addiction doesn't work but the old but life it, doesn't work for anybody right, that's, that's good Jay thanks no, exactly anybody else there with a question or comment I want to throw in there Okay, well, <clears throat> Master. Yeah, Aiden. Um, I'm just thinking there. I, I really like the idea um, that we're we're in an army together, um, meaning God's army. And, and I like the way T Timothy puts it about enduring hardness like a good soldier. That no soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. And, and I, I really love the idea. That you know, God um, equips us, even though trials and hardness and all that come our way, 
you know, the devil would want us to go the worldly way. Yeah. But as we become disciplined in God and as we, we, we learn more about the word and, and, and as we put our trust and believe in God more, then we're not drawn to that worldly way of escape that we do cling onto God when we do go through hard times. And like Jay, I've been through some hard times over my, you know, been saved 25 years of, of my year, years. And, and sometimes um, you, you do want to go the worldly way because it's kind of a quick fix, you know, it's kind yeah. of there, you know, it, it, happen, it can happen instantly for you. But as I said, over the years of maturing as a Christian, that you know, those who wait upon the Lord, He shall renew your, your strength. You know, and and no whatever hardness that or ever hardships that you're going through, you know, you know, I mean, God, God's always been there, and God is good, you know. And, and Amen. Amen. And Bob says we're all drawn away of our own lust. There is something that promises to fix it for each of us. It's different for each of us. And going that way uh, is only going to draw you in deeper into the pain in the end. But going God's way is going to lift you out of it. So it's important that we learn to endure that. Yeah, that's good. Thanks, Ian. Anybody else? It, it is true, Pastor. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you, Florence. Yeah. As you go through hard times, that um, if you keep trusting God, he will carry you through. Mm -hmm. Just as Jason was saying, you know, it, it's in the hard times in a sense, he, he feels very close to you. I yeah. had that when I was nursing my mother and different hardships in my life. God carries you through in a remarkable way. His amen. grace is well, that you have to keep trusting him. Yes, amen, friends. Trusting him in the, and he does pull you through. Yeah. Yeah, Anyone his else? Grace, his grace is sufficient. It is. Amen. Mm. Uh, hi, Pastor. Yes, Flora. For, for, sorry, Faluke. Oh, um, I, I the, the topic of the uh, message today uh, just pulled me in to see how we think differently, especially when we're in trouble, when 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 life tilts upside down all of a sudden, and um, and some things that we read in the Bible that says, you know. Um, whosoever call upon the Lord will be saved. And behold, I'll be with you in trouble. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, all those promises that we claim as, as Christians. And then when life just tumbled, uh, sometimes it disappeared. It, it just suddenly think, mm -hmm. oh my God. Oh, oh, where is God now? Not now, really, I need you. You feel like clenching onto his hands and and he should just do exactly what you wanted at that time. Yes. And, I, and I like the way that the scriptures are littered with hardship. Yeah. Even the example of Christ coming to this world uh, where he was born, the mother the journey of the father, nothing just ever works straight. The, no. the, 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 the history in the Bibles, the stories, uh, Joseph, Job, all of it, everybody, even the apostles, it, it shows that um, nothing so sweet. You, we should not expect um, bed of roses. And I think it, it, the idea of atheism might come from we always have it handed over to us since we're babies. We're always, mm -hmm. we, we've never been shouted upon or been upset or something. So when we receive Christ, we think, no, everything should be well. And, um, you know, I, 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 I can't go through that. God will not let me go through that, would you? Like, so it does affect our faith uh, when something comes tragically wrong. And it can be the will of God, yeah. or God is taking us to towards something. We should just say, uh, know that the uh, we cannot be bread and butter Christian for a, a long time. We have to have a, a, a time that we eat meat, like Paul. Was it Paul that said, 
milk are for babies. But when you are growing in your Christian life, <clears throat> you understand how God works. And, uh, you know, we, we have to take the, the yin with the yang somehow, <laughs> even, even though we are Christians. So I, I'm, I'm pleased with that. I, I just pray for grace that we will remember that God loves us despite every situation. Yeah, that's good, Faluka, because, you know, we do need to keep those things in mind. And we need, to, I think sometimes we have a kind of a Christian atheism where it's not God that we're really got in our minds. It's, it's something else. Somebody who's going to meet our needs, maybe not atheism, but a paganism where, where we're, we're expecting that the God that we're thinking of is going to actually take care of us and look after us. And we need to look at the scripture and have our minds adjusted and recognize, no, he will bring difficulty into my life, but his promise is that he will be with me and he will take care of me in it. And uh, we rest in that. That's good, though. Okay. Anybody else? Pastor. Yes, Roly. I think uh, when you really look at it, there is really nobody who is actually 100% atheist. At the most, maybe we would have agnostics or people who doubt the existence of God, but there is nobody in this world, I think, that does not believe in God. Because if you don't believe in God, why should you prove the, the, the non-existence of something or someone? I mean, you know, like, if it doesn't exist, so what's your, what's your problem? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there is true. I don't think it's entirely honest. Yeah. And I think yeah. <laughs> the, the, really, the, if God is good, then why suffering is, is kind of an excuse mm. for, for not accepting God. But nonetheless, uh, it is a pretty deep one that people buy into. It's a deception that people buy into. And what's probably more dangerous to us is that they want us to buy into it, our children to buy into it as well. And we need to be careful of that. We need to teach our children about who the God, the real God is. And that's that's something that happens in the home. And if it doesn't happen in the home, they tend to go out of the home and be blasted uh, by <clears throat> people who really are against God for whatever reason. That's good. Anybody else? I'm sorry, just one more point. Uh, when I work in the ship, uh, a lot of people I work with uh, consider themselves as agnostics or atheists. But, you know, when, when we experience storm in the sea, all of them are saying, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> all they say is uh, there, are, there are no atheists in the foxholes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when it gets really serious. And that's I, I think man is just made that way. We're made with that understanding that there is something bigger and stronger than us. There has to be. And so that in the, in the quiet moments when our barriers are down, I think everybody comes to that position. All right, anybody else? Let's do this then. Sorry, Peter. I have to log out, Pastor. I have another meeting at night. Um, when you keep Stephen in prayer, his, his back is done in. Um, Pray for who? Stephen. Stephen? Yeah, Stephen Garrity. It's back okay. until then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He told me that. Today. Right. Paper Stephen Garrity, okay? All right. I'll see you. All right, Peter. Thank you. Lord bless. Good night. All right. Pastor, isn't that the question when you're out evangelizing on, on the streets? Yeah. And, you know, you get talking with people and, you know, the, the, the get out of the talking question from them would be, well, where was your God when this happened? And where yeah. was your God when that happened? You know, and and I think sometimes when you're a little bit experienced with, you know, evangelizing on the streets, you, you know, you get kind of embarrassed because, you know, you can't answer questions like that because, you, you know, you're, you're thinking, well, where was my God when that? Whereas you kind of learn more about God. God hasn't moved anywhere. He's always been where he says he was going to be, you know, and yeah. that, on the throne, on the throne, in the throne room of grace, you know. And I think one thing, we need not to try and defend God. We want to defend God, but we don't need to defend him. Yeah, you know, he doesn't he doesn't defend himself, he just says what he does. Yeah. Um and that, that person I was talking to this week when they when they spoke about uh that pain that happened in their lives way back then, I, I just said to them, but but you're not God, you you couldn't understand why God would allow something like that to happen in your life. And I mean, they didn't rejoice and say, Oh, that's great, that's the answer I was always looking for. But that is the answer. And I think we need to we need to be able to give people the answer gently because pain is real for people 
But I think we need to be able to actually say it to them uh, that, no, he's God. Because in the end, we all want to play God in our own lives. We want to direct what happens in our lives, which is the prerogative of God. And that's when people, when somebody says, well, he didn't do me right. What they're saying is he didn't do what I would have done in that situation. And yeah, well, that's because he's God and you're not. That's the hard, bitter pill for all of us to swallow. Christian or non-Christian like, God's going to do what he like in the life of David O'Gorman. And you know what? He's not going to ask me whether, I, whether I'm okay with it or not. He's going to do what he wants to do in my life. And that's because he's God. And, you know, the heart of it, I suppose, is just coming to that understanding that there is a God who is in charge. And I am not that God. And that's where we need to go in our hearts. All right. Anybody else? Just uh, was thinking, Pastor, that um, as well as God will bring difficulties and, and you know prune us in our lives, but the contrast between the Christian life and and the blessings that come with it, and the um, you know the, the life without hope and the life the, the life that people can lead without Christ, there's quite quite a contrast, and there's a, there's a there's always a great experience of mercy and, and grace and blessing definitely go through these difficulties with yeah um remember a, a drawing in the <laughs> newspaper when we were looking at the lewis revival was it no it was, it was one of the revival that had a cartoon in the newspaper and it was um a guy sitting down with his family eating dinner and contrasting it with what happened before he would drink the yeah. wages every in the pub every every week and the kids would be without anything and yeah so the, the blessings of walking with, walking with god need not to be forgotten to your right they, they need not to be forgotten yeah right there will be there will be tough things but god's the, the, the christian life is is so much better at any at any level no matter what is going on that's Amen. Anybody else? Yeah, I just wanted to say um, probably the biggest um, testimony that we have is when we as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, have peace in the storm. Yeah. So I think that's something to we need to remember is that all eyes are on you when you're going through it. <laughs> all eyes are on you. And a small example was um, when Sarah was at her worst, and I know she's going through a, a um, she's going through a relapse right now. But when she was at her worst, I was doing some training with my boss down in Limerick, and I remember her saying to me, "I don't understand it. Why aren't you angry? Why aren't you this? Why aren't you that?" And it wasn't me. I could have been any of those things, but it was the peace of God that passes all understanding. I was walking through the the storm and it, it didn't even touch me. I just knew that God would have his way. I knew that God loved me and God loved Sarah. And I had moments, but by and large, I had peace in the storm. And that's what people just don't get it. They look mm -hmm. at you and they just don't get that because the world doesn't know that kind of peace. They've never known that kind of peace, which yeah. you and I experience the peace of God. And I suppose that's the testimony that God is good all the time all the time God is good as Verena always says to me um, and I, I think that's that's huge yeah and I think if, if we think about it if we can actually bite the bullet on the reality of God is in charge of everything in our lives then I'm no longer a victim of circumstance or other people or anything else but I'm in a place where he's working in my life so instead of it being the you know, the thief who just stuck a dagger in me. It's the doctor who's taken a scalpel and carefully and gently cut because he wants to make me better. And that, that's, that's where the peace comes from because I know I'm in his hands. And if I can come to the place where I know I'm always in his hand, no matter what happens in my life, I'm always in his hand. No matter if it's good, if it's bad, if it's difficult, if it's, it doesn't matter. Once I'm in his hand, I know I'm always safe. Then I'm really in a, in a place where I can have the peace to pass the whole understanding. That's a good point, though. Yeah. Okay, anybody else? Faluka, yes? Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry that I talk again. Um, no, that's fine, Faluka. <laughs> just, uh, just when uh, Florence was talking there, it, it just hits me that 
I think it's the level of our faith. And I, and I think it's the, when you've met with Christ, there, there's a level of faith, but then just like we find out in the apostles and the uh, disciples, the level of our faith sometimes makes us to think, oh, God should do this. If God don't do this, I'm not going to serve you anymore. This happened mm. to me. It has happened to a, a lot of people, even a, a priest or something like that in the Bible that turn say, no, I'm, I'm done. I, I just, you know, I'm not going to do, if you can't do this for me, so why am I serving you? I yeah. think it's the, it's the level of our faith in God. And I think we, we, keep, we, we can go, we can be matured enough to understand that, um, like, I think it's the Psalm. Psalm says that someone cannot be taking good and good and good and then you can't take evil for one day or something like that. I've read it. That's my problem. I, I don't retain something. But <laughs> I, think, I think you're talking about Job. Job says that when his wife says, from curse God and die, he says, shall we receive good from the Lord and, and not evil? And he, yeah. It, yeah. Uh, and I think, it's, I think it's as much as we journey with Christ in our Christian life, we will then by and by understand that it's not just bread and butter, give me this and you get it and you walk away. Sometimes uh, we, we, we experience hardship, deliberately planted on our way or accidentally or, or just overall disaster sometimes. But I think it's the level of our maturity with God. So a young Christian can easily say that, like, what's your God? I mean, what do you think? Can God really do that? But a person that have been journeying with Christ, we have that sense to say, you cannot take good, 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 and not evil, like Job said. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and really, it's coming to know what we should expect from God and being comfortable in our relationship with him and what we should expect from him. That's really what we're going to try and <clears throat> try and get our heads around. All right, then let us do this. Uh, do we have prayer requests? And we things that we need to let's pray for Stephen. Uh, Peter's asked to pray for Stephen Garrett. He hurt his back and he's laid up in bed and he's not good at lying in bed, he says. Uh, so let's pray for Stephen. Let's pray for Lake. Lake is back. He's out, out and about tomorrow, isn't he? Mm -hmm. He's playing football tomorrow, Pastor. He's playing football tomorrow, is he? <laughs> He's having his Christmas on Friday down on his mother's. <laughs> okay, oh, bless his heart. So, pray for Leighton and his family. All right. Um, <clears throat> pray for Nori that she gets clear of this thing. And Vince, pray for your family as well. Thank you, Pastor. Um, I suppose, folks, we just need to recognize that the, the, this new variant is going through the church at the moment, and it's going through everywhere at the moment. I mean, <clears throat> we'd have prayed that the Lord will just lift it from us completely, that it runs its way, and then we get it lifted from us, and then it's gone. Anything else that we need to pray for, folks? Val, you're, you're, you're muted. Oh, you can't unmute yourself. Well, maybe maybe that's gift. <laughs> <laughs> you, could, you should be able to unmute yourself now. Ah, there we are. Okay. I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. Just remember, you're coming home to me, honey. <laughs> Lock the door, Mrs. Dow. Lock the door. <laughs> could you pray for my little mommy? She's over in the Hermitage. Okay. And her phone is switched off and I can't get through to her. And I know she's afraid and she thinks she's going to get COVID. She can't walk. She has a, she has a, a really bad ulcer on her leg and she can't put her foot to the floor. So um, the Lord needs to just speak to her heart and um, she needs to get saved. She needs to trust Jesus and um, really concerned about her. I know she's fearful over there and um, she feels that the hospital is full of COVID. She's going to get COVID. So. 
um, just pray that uh, the Lord will just surround her with his love and that uh, she'll trust him. Yeah. That's really what she needs to do at 94 years old. It's all she needs to do. Yeah. All right. Anything else you need to pray for? Sarah also. Let's pray for Sarah. She's not doing well at the moment. And this line is just something that keeps comes and goes and comes and goes. And uh, keep her in prayer. And pray for revival, folks. I was encouraged with John's messages the other day. Would you pray for revival, right? Um, so, Aidan, would you pray for us? And let me ask you, Vincent, if you would pray for us as well, right? Amen. Father, we do confess that you are good. God is good. And we thank you, God, that you're our God. And if it had not been for our God and our side, where would we be today, Lord? And we do love you and we trust you and we, we, we give our hearts to you, Lord, uh, afresh tonight, God. And we would ask God tonight that you would recline your ear to, to each and every one of the requests that we bring before you, Lord. And we do thank you, God, that you're a, you're a, a prayer answering God, that we have seen uh, multiple prayers being answered, Lord. And we thank you, God, that, that, that you do that and to God be the glory, great things he has done. Father, we do um, think about Mrs. O's mother, Lord, and we, we thank you for her, Lord, and the character that she that she is, Lord, and we do pray, God, that, um, that salvation would visit her, Lord, that, that she would, Lord, um, be, be softened to the gospel, Lord, and, and, and would accept Christ uh, as her Lord and Savior. We pray, God, that you would help her with our fear, Lord, of this cover, Lord, I, I kind of have a mother-in-law here, Lord, who, who suffers the same, Lord, and I pray the same for, for her, Lord, that you would, Lord, speak peace into their situations, Lord, into their circumstances, Lord, it, it's very real to them, Lord, but God, that peace that we spoke about tonight, God, I pray, Lord, that you would give them that peace which surpasses all understanding. And for Sarah, God, I pray, Lord, that you do what you do best, miracles. Lord, you do a miracle in that young girl's life, Lord. You bring her back to full health, we pray in Jesus' name. We pray, God, that you have a great plan and a purpose for her life, Lord. We pray against anything that is hindering the Lord for that plan to be unfolded in our life. So, Lord, touch her tonight, God. We thank you for the message, Lord. We thank you, God, um, that we sometimes we don't understand why bad things happen to good people, Lord, because, Lord, you do. You, you know everything, Lord. You have everything in hand, God. And I just pray, Lord, tonight, God, that whoever is going through these hardships that we talked about, that which is testing their faith, Lord, that's which some of them are probably thinking about walking away. God, I just pray that you strengthen them. Lord, you strengthen our innermost being, Lord. You, you strengthen our spirit, God, to keep on going. Keep on keeping on, Lord, and letting go, and letting God do what he does best. So, God, we do thank you for Pastor, Lord. We, we do thank you for all the, the family of the church, Lord, and all these, the men in New Hope Residential Center, Lord. And, Lord, those that have came out of that center, Lord, and their the faith was tested, Lord, and we walked away, Lord. I just pray, God, that they would come back. Lord, that they would rise up and come back, Lord, mm -hmm. that they would put our trust in you once again. So, God, we thank you for tonight, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this evening and this uh, opportunity to be together uh, over the internet. Lord, will you bless each family uh, here and, Lord, others in the church that uh, couldn't make it. Uh, Lord, we do thank you for um, the time with uh, uh, Brother Van Gelben. Uh, Lord, bless him and his ministry, um, help him to be able to come uh, in April. And uh, bless his family, we do pray for them. Uh, Lord, for each one in the church now that's ill i think of Stephen with his back out and uh, ask that you'd heal him uh, quickly lord we thank you that um Leighton's able to play football tomorrow uh, bless him and the family of, after the, the time of isolation and we think of nori uh, as well tonight uh, isolating 
or just uh, bring her uh, quickly uh, to a point of, of complete healing. Um, Lord, for us down here with the those that are ill, Lord, will you um, again bring healing here? Lord, we uh, just uh, bring these things before you tonight. And Lord, we do pray for young uh, Sarah. Um, we'll just uh, ask that she would um, bounce back now from this uh, low point for her. Uh, with the uh, Lyme disease, Lord, will you uh, will take that away um, from her completely? We uh, bring it before you uh, for healing tonight, Lord, for uh, souls that have been witness to, uh, people that have seen and heard and mm. are in contact with, Lord, will you uh, bring salvation, um, Lord, uh, many around the church and in contact with the church at the moment, and um, I do thank you for uh, those that have been able to be on the podcasts and see over the time, Lord, many uh, new contacts and souls um, looking uh, for answers. Lord, um, we do think of emailers uh, that have come in and over the time, many, many people have been in great distress. Lord, will you, uh, you know their need and you know um, their requests. Lord, will you uh, answer each one and... Um, Lord, may you grow your church even through this. We think of um, the uh, the church, the the, the um, church being persecuted in different parts of the world, in India, in Iran, um, in Iraq, Lord, in, in many of the Muslim countries, and mm. in China. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the great stories we hear of um, many coming to know you in spite of the persecution. And uh, Lord, we do ask that you uh, give us. Um, a role of interceding uh, for them. Uh, we hold them up for tonight. Lord, we pray for the um, need that we have of, of revival for ourselves, for our country, for um, our world, as the, the days are um, getting closer and closer to your return. And we long to uh, see you, long to be with you. Um, will you uh, enable us to, to be your a voice your witness uh, in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for those that have come out. Lord, I do pray for the rest of the church, Lord, that you would stir people's hearts, Lord. Lord, we want to get this truth. We want to understand you and know you better, walk with you closer. And Lord, would you help each one to see that? And oh Lord, I do pray for revival, Lord, that you pour out your spirit upon us, that you would work in, a, in the church, Lord, in such a way that uh, Lord, our love for you and our joy in you, Lord, will spill over and uh, people outside will be touched by it and will be drawn to you. And Lord, I lift last mom before you, Lord, and I do ask that you would do whatever it takes uh, to bring it to that place, Lord, where she can bow before you and receive you as her Savior. Uh, Lord, thank you for uh, all that you've given. Thank you for all the blessings that you've poured out upon us. Uh, be with us now. And Lord, draw us close to you that we might walk with you in the days ahead. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, folks. Very good night to you. I will close. Bye, right, Lord bless you. Good night. High five. High five. High five. All right. I'll do a high five, which is to step over the um, internet. Okay. All right. High five. All right. All right. Lord bless. Bye bye. Bye.